All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Real Hawk Talk, episode 18, crazy enough. Uh, we got a nice uh, show lined up for tonight. It's definitely a little unique from the shows we've had so far this year. Um, we don't have a guest tonight, and we're not going to do our usual positive spin on everything based on the last week's show. I don't know if you guys saw last week's show. Me and Brian were pretty through the moon that they just beat Houston. They made the Dwayne Brown trade that we've been talking about for months. This week's game kind of leads to a different episode where it's more of a therapy session. I don't know if you saw. We got Evan here. We got William here. Brian's not with us. He's in Arizona tonight for the game tomorrow. He couldn't make it on. And Nathan was supposed to be on too. He couldn't make it. But, again, last week's game was one of the more painful and more frustrating games I can remember in the Pete Carroll era in terms of a regular season game. I don't want to bring up the Super Bowl in Arizona right now. We're going to stick to this this season. And maybe because of how last week went, expectations had kind of gone through the roof. And for them to respond to performance like they did, that really we don't see other than those crazy, annoying Jeff Fisher games. I can't think of any other example of just a game where they completely shit the bed in pretty much every phase of the game, even even at the end of the game when they had it. So it took me a while to get over this one. And this week's episode, we're pretty much going to go into that game and I'm sure, just like you guys, the three of us are damn frustrated, and you can see it from our tweets, you can see it from our from everything. So I don't know how you guys feel. It took me – I'm still reeling from that game. 48 hours, I was in rough shape. So what, how are you guys doing on three days later? Yeah, I, uh, I woke up depressed as hell, man. Oh, my God. No, I was angry as hell. Oh, my gosh. Waking up, I just felt a burning sensation in my – in my fists, in my head, it's like it, it. Okay, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if the audience or you guys have ever had like a, a girlfriend cheat on like one of your best friends or something like that. I had this feeling of just pissed. Like I was pissed off. Like this is a game should have been a prob. It should have been a win. I, I I feel confident in saying that. But this is one of those games where it feels like they just let it slip out of their hands out of a lack of effort. It literally, this game was infuriating in all three phases. I mean, I I think there's several phases of the game that, um, or several phases of the team that are more responsible for others. But I'm still pissed off 72, what are we, 72 hours later. And uh, I'm frustrated as hell going into this Arizona Cardinals game. I, uh, Thought, I thought I thought we missed a huge opportunity on Sunday and, um, you know, to, to, to keep, a, keep ahead with the Rams in the division, and, and we missed it. So who knows? We got, we got to bounce back with this team. We got, to, we got to get a win tomorrow in Arizona. But how about you, Will? I'm still pissed off. Well, Jeff mentioned that uh, you can't think of a game in recent history that, you know, reminded of this one. There's two that come to mind. It was week 16 of last year at Arizona, kind of brought back the same feelings. And I don't know if you guys remember, but 2011, I think it was like week six in Cleveland. It was like a, oh, a nine to six oh. loss or something like that. I mean, with, Charlie the Whitehurst. with the exception of those two Red Bryant field goal blocks and the Cam Chancellor uh, lifting of Tim Hardesty, there was nothing that you could bring home and, you know, draw a solar line to from that game. And that one, it felt like the same. And I, you know, I mentioned to you guys before we came on here, it wasn't even enjoyable Deering. I mean, there wasn't even one point, maybe minus the Doug Baldwin touchdown, where I was thinking, wow, you know, this is an enjoyable game. You know, the whole thing sucked from, you know, pretty much the, the beginning. And uh, I agree with you, Evan. It just seems like they they missed a huge opportunity. And, um, 
I guess it pisses me off more because Washington had every reason to lose that game. I mean, I think they I was in the pregame. They had like it was like a forty-four man roster. They had like an eighteen-man offense. They had eighteen players on offense going to the game. They had every reason to lose that game, and uh, we just gave it to them. We gave it to them, pure and simple. Didn't show up, um, and it's uh, I guess it's it's infuriating when you uh, you see a team with all this talent and all the potential um, to be doing what they should be doing, and they, and they don't. And uh, at what point we saw this game, we saw the same type of game uh, four or five times last year, and uh, it's just uh, after a while, man, it just takes a toll on you. It just becomes it's it's maddening, you know. And uh, sick of it, and they gotta figure it out. And yeah, I think I think you nailed that. And what made me so mad is just it was a total mismatch. You line those two rosters in Seattle a hundred times. I think they win ninety-nine. And I think it took a ridiculous, crazy, stupid series of events for them to lose three field goals, two two-point conversions, all this crazy. What was it? Fifteen penalties. You can play that game a hundred times and do that. So for them to do that, that was the one percenter. Seattle had to shoot themselves in the foot 20 different ways. And to blow a game like that against a team with four missing offensive linemen and their best defensive linemen out for the season, and they can't run the ball, they can't pass the ball, all three phases just let you down. And I don't know. I, Monday morning this week was different for me. I couldn't – like I didn't read like Monday Pierre King's article on Monday. Like, I needed to separate from football entirely because like I didn't want to read – about Kirk Cousins or about how the Seahawks aren't good anymore and how the year is over. I needed to separate. It took me – I was reeling. I don't know. I don't know if it was the fact that I feel like an opportunity slipped or just a pain of watching that game. Because for me, that for four, three quarters, it just felt like one of those annoying Seahawks games where they're going to play like shit for three quarters and then pull it out in the end. And it seemed like they did when Baldwin scored that touchdown. But the fact that they ended up losing this – it's just it's it's bad on so many levels. Now the number one seed might be gone out the window. Now you might be the division has got a lot harder. That was one of those games that was handed to you on a silver plate in so many ways. And that's a huge setback for this team that we've all three of us, I imagine, had Super Bowl aspirations for. Yeah, going off what you say, um, there's been a lot of talk about you know is Seattle still a Super Bowl team? Are we get I I even saw takes like. Seattle isn't going to make the playoffs anymore. Like it was, it was getting, it was getting scary on Twitter for a little bit. But um, I, 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 want, I want to clarify a couple of things, just in terms of my personal reactions. Number one, obviously, I'm pissed off. Obviously, this game was painful. Obviously, it was, it was completely embarrassing in multiple phases of the game. However, I do not think this deters Seattle's Super Bowl chances. I do not think. I, and honestly, I still think we're going to win the division. And I know I'm the most optimistic person like in the world, but I really do think, I mean, just as the Seahawks have some tough games coming up, so do the Rams. I, I think Seattle's yeah. going to play up to their competition. I really do. I, I feel like that's the team we are. We sometimes play down to our competition, and we sometimes play up to our competition. With these tough games going up, I, I, uh, I think this team thrives on adversity and – and I think they're going to take the opportunity. I, uh, I, uh, rem you got to remember, we're only one game behind the Rams. Every, when everybody talks about the division standings in the NFC West, you know, the Rams leading the way, you'd think they had a, they'd have like a four-game lead right now. They don't. They, you know, we, we beat them in L.A., and they still have to come to Seattle. I, uh, 
I think there's a very good chance we still end up being the number one, not the number one seed, but like the number two seed for home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Um, but obviously that Seattle doesn't have many opportunities to kind of uh, squeak away anymore. They, they have to take advantage of any easy opportunities they have left to uh, make sure they get one of those top two records. Yeah. I think a lot of the reason that this one sucked so much was a time. It was a timing factor to it all. You just came off a really, really exciting win over the Texans. Exactly. And then you woke up in the morning to watch the 10 a.m. games, and then Philadelphia and the Rams are looking really damn good. And so you're thinking, okay, this is you know that that's fine because we're you know this is this is looking like an easy game at one o'clock coming up, and then you dropped it. And uh, I think timing played a factor, and it's also how they lost. Um, I know we'll eventually get into it later in the show, but uh, you know you, when you miss three field goals, it's uh, it's not a way you want to. You, know, you don't want to ever like chalk that up to a reason you lost. And I don't know what you guys, I don't know where you guys put the blame, but I, I, I think there's definitely a lot of blame in the special teams um, to which degree we can talk about. But uh, yeah, I think it's uh, the timing and fashion of that game is what, what made it so rough. And, uh, but I, but I do agree with you, Evan. I think that they do, they still are Super Bowl team. I mean, I always go back in these moments. Uh, I mean, just look back two years ago. Look at the Denver Broncos uh, two years ago, the Super Bowl champion team. And at one point, you know, they started Brock Osweiler for a long period of that, of that season. I mean, if you look at their their games against really bad teams, they're going to overtime. You know, they beat the Bears by two, beat Cleveland in overtime by three. And it's just like, you know, it's not always those 14-2, and 13-3 and three teams that end up, you know, going on to win a Super Bowl. So I think there's still hope. It's just uh, it was hard to find it this week for sure. So, yeah, you, you hit on a lot of good points there. And I think we should kind of get into this more, maybe like kind of run through the different reasons they lost that game and maybe where we lay the blame or where we see potential issues. And I'll start, I'll start with me. Obviously, Blair Walsh, a huge impact on that game. Field goals. And one of three is a terrible game from a kicker, right? The whole game changes. They don't need to go for two all those times. All of a sudden, that touchdown at the end – it's completely. Hey, CJ's here. All right. Oh, you guys can see me. Yes. Hey, did I did I miss Evan Reminis yet or what? Oh no, you grievances yet. You will. You will. You're you're in for a treat. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. So for those who are joining now, we've had me, Evan, and Will. We've been talking about that disastrous game from Sunday. They just pissed one away against the inferior team. The Redskins are have a roster of a bottom feeder right now. They're banged up and. Again, I think they play that game 100 times, Washington wins one, and that's what happened. That's how much Seattle shot themselves in the foot. So, yeah, CJ, before you got on, we were kind of about to get into, like, the reasons they lost that game, who you lay the blame on, what you see as maybe a big-picture issue coming out of that game. Well, obviously, Blair Walsh is an issue. We're going to get into that later. But to me, I know Evan's going to want to touch on this. I think it's a bigger issue than maybe just the kicker or maybe just the special teams penalties or – Russell Wilson struggling in the wind or the rain. And I think there was a coaching issue in that game. And I think the game plan from a number of different levels was strange. I can't, I don't tweet much during the game because I can be an emotional wreck. And sometimes I come off as like a whiner and I love blaming referees. I, I hate bad calls. I, I go crazy over bad calls. I wish I was getting that. But the one thing that kept driving me nuts all game was just their game plan on offense to me made no sense. I don't know if they just thought they would breeze past these guys. They were banged up. And I know Pete Carroll on the broadcast even mentions that they're so set on establishing the run, establishing the run. And they were running into the 
using Eddie Lacy at the beginning before he got hurt. And it seems they've t- – and we've said this so many times on the show this year, and I've gone crazy about this, but it seems that the coaching staff is so set on doing what they did in those Super Bowl years on offense that they're not realizing what they have personnel-wise. Their best players outside of Russell are all skill position guys. Baldwin, Jimmy, Paul Richardson, Tyler. <laughs> the best backs are receiving backs, and they still kind of be this team that plays balanced, and they're trying to establish the run. And it seems like they're shooting themselves in the foot, and they're wasting three quarters trying to establish this run. And I'm a believer in the run from a philosophical standpoint, but from this roster, I don't understand what they're doing on offense. And I think they they, they keep waiting until the fourth quarter or the last two minutes of the second half, first half, do something on offense and play urgency. And they're just. I know they're like, what, fourth in the NFL on offense, total offense right now, but they just seem to be a team that has no identity offensively, and they're trying to be something they're not. And I think in this game, that was, to me, the biggest issue, other than maybe the penalties or the missed kicks. And it's been something that outside of that Houston game is a persistent issue. So I don't know about you guys or who wants to jump in now, but where do you guys see coaching amongst the issues, or are you guys, are you guys directing your anger a different way? EJ, you want to start? Since I mean, first off, it doesn't help that Chris Carson, we don't have Chris Carson anymore. He was, it seemed like they were um, using him and the identity was shifting a little bit. Okay, maybe the run is, the run game's coming back a little bit and all this stuff. But once Chris Carson went down, their identity went, you know, ghost town again. And uh, like you said, Jeff, they tried using Eddie Lacy. Uh, versus the Redskins early, no, that didn't work out. That was terrible. And um, I know Evan tweeted a little bit about coaching um, issues or you know time management and whatnot. Um, honestly, I still look back at the offensive line, and I think the offensive line right now is still not gelling consistently like it was actually the past couple of games. And then here comes Brown, which I mean. He, he he had a good game. I mean, it's not his fault. He comes in and then the offensive line just crumbles. Um, but I still I still shift my my problems, my issues with the offensive line because I think Russell Wilson the the reason why he's being a little bit inconsistent is because of the offensive line. I mean, I don't I don't know the exact numbers how much he was sacked or hurried or anything like that. But I know like fundamental wise and him he was on the run a lot, all that stuff. I mean. And of course, Blair Wash. I mean, I know I tweeted out a little bit. Okay, people want to cut Blair Wash, but I think it's ridiculous because one, who are we gonna if we cut Blair Wash, who are we gonna sign? It's, it's ridiculous. And it's like we go pick up a all-star kicker that everybody has this huge expectations for. And that's not gonna happen. So we should just throw that out the window. Yeah, Blair Wash had a bad game. I don't know if it was because of the weather. I mean, Russell Wilson has bad games in the weather. We've seen it plenty of times. The rain, the snow, his numbers are not good. His the eye test, it's not good. It's just not good. Blair Walsh had a bad game, plain and simple. He was he missed one kick before coming into the game. Um, but yeah, we could have used nine points, you know, of his of his. And then <clears throat> honestly, I just look at the offensive line still until it gets consistent. I don't think Russell Wilson's gonna be consistent. He does too much. Obviously, we at the Seahawks don't have a run game. And uh um, yeah, until they find an identity, I think that's the issue for me at least. Yeah, I'm uh, obviously you guys know I'm one of the most optimistic people in the world when it comes to Seahawks. <laughs> like, you know, 
But I'm here to tell you we have a very serious problem. We have a real problem here. I, I've been thinking a lot about this. And, and obviously a ton of different Seahawks writers and, and tweeters and all those people have been talking about it. But we have a serious philosophical difference of, of opinion here. Th this is what's going on. Pete Carroll is fully enveloped in this ground and pound game of this, of this philosophy of we're going to run it down your throats and you're not going to stop us. It's this, cruelty, it's this like cruelty of football where it's like, it's like we're going to run the ball and you have no chance. Like that's what, that's what Pete Carroll wants in his football team. He wants, he wants a bruising back like Marshawn Lynch, good run blockers up front who just run it down your throat every single game. And just, you know, they, they lead the time of possession. And by the fourth quarter, Marshawn, you know, your running back's going for what, six, seven yards of carry, something stupid like that. That's how Pete Carroll wants to play football. This is the problem. We don't have that player. We don't have that football team. The personnel do not match the philosophy. It's just, it's, it's, it's a complete disaster. We don't have good run blockers. We don't have run Marshawn Lynch in his prime. We, uh, we, we just don't have this, we don't have the personnel to match the philosophy. It's just that simple. We are good pass blockers. Imagine that in the Pete Carroll era or in the Tom Cable era. We have good pass blockers. We have a good passing scheme. We have good receivers. We have a good tight end in Luke Wilson. Just kidding. We have a good tight end in Jimmy Graham too. But we have good players. We have good skill position players. What's happening is the defense comes out balling early in the game, giving the offense opportunity after opportunity. You saw it in the Redskin game. It was like it was, it was like three or four straight possessions, three and out, and then a safety too. And and one and one start gave, gave the offense on like the 45 yard line of, of, of the, of the Washington Redskins and the offense couldn't capitalize. And all, you know what, you know what I'm also pissed off about is our red zone offense. How shitty has our red zone offense uh, been for like four or five years in a row? We cannot what, work together. I don't get what, it. What, what do you think the issue is there? Is that, is that coaching or is that on Russell? Or is so that, so that's a combination um, yeah. of blame in my opinion, at least because it's kind of hard to, really kind of like pinpoint accuracy say this is why the red zone offense is bad i think it's a combination of poor line play i think it's a combination of russell just not being a super great red zone quarterback but i think it's also a combination of coaching too like you at the end of the day you know the offensive coordinator daryl bevel and Pete carroll the head coach are responsible for making sure this team is successful in all phases of the game there's one phase of the game where they have been consistently not successful They've consistently failed in this phase for like four to five years. That is the red zone offense. They have not gotten it together. This is a combination of blame. I don't, I don't know what the issue is, but they need to figure it out because this defense, this elite legion of boom, they're not like, the, I don't think they have much time. left. Maybe one, two, maybe three years. We, we don't have an elite squad on the defensive side of the ball for, I think of this caliber for very long. Seattle has to figure, out, figure it out on the offensive side of the ball. I am so sick of the inconsistency. It's a joke. We have talent. We have Jimmy Graham. We have Russell Wilson, top five quarterback. We have Dwayne Brown now. We have Justin Britt. We have Paul Richardson. We have Doug Baldwin. We have Luke Wilson, who's not bad. We have, who did I mention? Not mention. Tyler Lockett, CJ's favorite player. We have talent. It's a joke. We should be performing. I'm pissed off about this. All right, rant over. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> kind of touch on what you mentioned. Okay. So, I'm so glad I didn't miss that. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> Evan, Evan, 
what did you think when they ran the Super Bowl play on the two-point conversion? You know what? It's a joke. You know why? It's because it, this, this is what it reveals to me. It reveals to me that they're still insecure about that play because they're trying to make a point. They're trying to make a point when they do that, that, you know what? We've recovered from this bullshit. They're trying to say like, oh, it doesn't affect us mentally, so we're ready to do it again. Bullshit. It does affect you mentally. You threw an interception again. Stop doing that play. You're not good at it. Just stop. It, 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 to me, it, it shows insecurity in their offensive personnel and their offensive scheme. To me, it's insecurity. Well, I think uh, kind of what you mentioned, I mean, just what it really simple, simply boils down to is that they're one-dimensional. Uh, you stop the run game. Well, the reason the teams are able to stop the run game is because, we, like you said, we don't have the personnel to have an effective run game. And so, therefore, it's easy for teams to stop that. And once you have to, once you stop that, which is easy to do, you don't have to worry about one thing. And I think that kind of, you know, is a big reason that our, our red zone offense is lacking. I mean, I mean, think about when we had Marshawn Lynch. Even Zach Miller, I feel like, was a good red zone. I mean, we had a much better, you know, red zone offense when we had those two players. But um, I think it just really boils down to that, man. Um, I think you hit you hit, you hit a nail on the head, man. Just don't have the personnel to be the team that they want to be. One more thing on this. What's with, what's with this coaching's obsession? Or what's with this coaching staff's obsession with Eddie Lacy? I, I don't get it. He's, he, he's, I mean, he, he hasn't shown much. Like, he, why, why is J.D. McKissick or Thomas Rawls not getting, you know, his, his uh, share of the carries? Eddie, trying to get Eddie Lacy heavily involved early in the game is not going to win you a football game. Getting Russell Wilson heavily involved and Doug Baldwin and Jimmy Graham and Tyler Lockett and Paul Richardson, getting your best players on offense involved early in the game is what wins you football games. Getting any Lacey involved early is not going to win you a football game. He's just not that great. He's okay. He's not going to win you a game. What's this focus around him in, the, in establishing the run? It, it's, it's crap. It's horrible. Yeah, it's been the problem all year. I said, I said after the Green Bay game on the show, and you almost use the same words as me, Evan. Philosophically, they want to be the Marshawn Lynch team. They want to be the team he was at USC with Lendale White and all these different running backs that they were had in. He thought maybe with four running backs, we can get that going again. And I don't know how you come out of that Houston game where they were just lighting the world on fire. It's like they don't have Watt in that game. They don't have Whitney, Merciless. But how do you come out of that game and think, you know what we need? We need more Eddie Lacy. <laughs> who, who, who didn't see that failing? Did anyone see that? When like, they saw that news last week, they're like, oh, great. Like, this is what we need. We need to establish the power run. I'm a believer in the run. But not, not, you don't have to run the ball straight up the middle with Lacey on first and second down every time. There's ways of doing it. I mentioned this last week. 2007, Mike Holmgren, Sean Alexander was on his last leg. Steve Hutchinson was gone. Mike Holmgren basically scrapped the run. Remember they had those four receivers out wide? I think it was Hackett, Branch. Mm -hmm. That's good coaching. That's an adjustment to your personnel. And the, that team made the playoffs. They, they fell short in, December, in January. But at some point, you have to stop beating your head against the wall. Stop trying to waste series with Eddie Lacy. I know there's people on Twitter who think they shouldn't even run at all. And they think the run game is stupid. And I wouldn't go that far. But yeah, I think you're, you're, you're totally right. And I think it's a big picture issue that they don't know who they are anymore. And they're trying to be something they're not. And they're wasting almost two quarters a game doing it. And one thing I want to do on this is 
one thing I really appreciate about Pete Carroll is he, I mean, he doesn't take these stances, these philosophies, you know, these, these philosophies lightly. He, you know, he does a lot of research behind them. He, he believes these things for a reason. And I respect that about him. But there's a problem here. He needs to evolve. He needs to evolve in his thinking for this team. The personnel do not match the, run, run, the ground pound philosophy here. It does not match. It does not work. He has to evolve here or it will end. Hear me on this. It will end Seattle's Super Bowl opportunities. It will end their Super Bowl chances this season. If you're going to continue to try and force the ball to Eddie Lacy all year long and, you know, hamstring Russell Wilson by making him, you know, you know, force it his way, we're not going to the Super Bowl. It's just not happening. I'm sorry. We're not going to be a Super Bowl team with our star running back, Eddie Lacy. It's just not going to be. It, it just it just isn't. So here's the thing with uh, uh, Daryl Bevel, and I'm a Daryl Be Bevel believer. I'm not fire Bevel bandwagon at all. I'm a huge uh, supporter of Bevel, but I wrote an article on Pete Carroll and um, his tenure with the Seahawks and how he arrived and how him and Daryl Bevel came together. You got to remember, they both have that mutual interest, that run first philosophy. Daryl Bevel came from Minnesota, where he had the luxury of having uh, Adrian Peterson and then coming to Seattle, then they traded for Marshawn Lynch. And it's kind of weird that you see those two not, you know, on his radar anymore or on the team that he's coaching and how, how different the run game is. And, you know, now we had Chris Carson where he was started to develop, well, not develop like a superstar, but like he was showing flashes and signs of, okay, okay, what do we have here? And then he goes down, and then now you're seeing that he's left with nothing. So that's one thing to keep in mind that, you know, Seattle doesn't have these, like, superstar running backs anymore where they could have done something, anything with awful uh, run pro, anything. But uh, you saw Thomas Rawls go down countless times, and now he's just not the same anymore. Eddie Lacy, like uh, Evan says, I mean, it's weird. Like, I was a huge, huge supporter of signing Eddie Lacy because he came in as uh into seattle is like some of the same production as marshall lynch the numbers were almost identical um they just ran differently you know like marshall lynch probably had has better elusiveness and you know better vision and he's he's faster uh unlike you know uh lacy he's just a pound pound kind of guy can't move um direction that that well whatever but i think the um uh the decrease of skill set at the running back position that Daryl Bevel and Pete Carroll are coaching now. I think you have to take that consideration a little bit, but yeah, the running game is, yeah, it's, it's, it's nowhere near bound. So. Well, he seems like he's like, he's kind of lost right now. Cause he's, he's not as big as he used to be. So he's not, doesn't have that power he quite used to have. And he, he's still a big back though. So he doesn't really have speed. So he's kind of caught in this no man's land of, he can only get what's there. And somehow he's actually pretty decent in space. There's that play last game where Russell flipped the ball to him and he actually looked pretty good running in space, but he's just kind of this guy that doesn't really have any redeeming qualities as a runner anymore. So I don't know. I I, I would have cut him after the Houston game. I would I don't I don't see anything. Can I, I interject on something here? We're we're talking about running backs. We're talking about Eddie Lacy, talking about Chris Carson. We're going to talk about Thomas Rawls, talking about Alex Collins succeeding on the, on the Ravens. There's a common denominator here. There's an issue here. It's our run blocking, and we're not talking about it enough. Yes, our running backs have sucked, 
But our run blocking, run blocking is atrocious. Somebody explain this to me because isn't Tom Cable known for his run blocking, like coaching abilities, his coaching skills? What happened to what happened to that? Like, it, does anybody have an answer for that? I don't think they wanted to pay anybody. I feel like it was pretty good back then. I mean, unless you're putting, you know, a lot of the reason that we were good on Marshawn Lynch. I mean, they didn't want to, they got rid of a lot of their old line, right? I mean, it's like a whole new different, I mean, you look at the, you know, the, the two Super Bowl teams, you look at this current team, and you especially look at that core group, it's almost completely different now. And uh, I don't think they wanted to spend high money there. That was the one, you know, the one area that they didn't want to spend their money in. I mean, chickens are kind of coming to roost uh, in a sense. And the, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, running backs. I, I don't even think – I think we have some pretty decent running backs. You know, do you think Kareem Hunt or, like, uh, Leonard Fournette's going to have the same year behind our offensive line? I really doubt it. I really doubt it. I think that I think that Rawls is pretty good. I think Carson is great. Um, I think even Eddie Lacy could be better on another team. I think it's it kind of just goes back to that common denominator. Dominator, like you said, it's the, it's the O-line. And it, it kind of always has been the last – year and a half i'd say i'm not an online expert and that and this is why we nathan should be on right now but unfortunately he's sick but i, I had to disagree with you well i don't think it's fully on the offensive line to make your running back better i think having a great skill set running back with great attributes makes a, a, a little bit of a difference i know the seahawks offensive line i mean the run blocking is it's it's awful i mean there's lanes don't open up it's crowded in the backfield once uh, once it gets handed off. But I think having a good skill running back, such as Chris Carson, he he has a lot of great attributes. I I wrote about it. He 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 was he just fit in. He just fit in, and he made things happen when that running when the when um uh, the line just completely crumbled. You saw in that one play uh, against Green Bay where he the the play was to the left, and he cut all the way back and got three yards. But that those three yards was huge because, you know, he's picking up the slack of the offensive line. I think it's it's a combination of both. I mean, not having that featured back that Seattle is so used to having and then also having a poor offensive blocking. So. No, I agree. And, uh, you know, it's not all on them, uh, but to have a consistently effective run game, um, I think you need help up front. Um, and you're definitely right. Chris Carson has, you know, stuff that the other guys don't. And, uh, you know, what he can do even with a battle line kind of shows, you know, his talent level. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty much in agreement here. I think that they uh, need help up front, and it's going to be a problem until they can get better or at least mesh better. And, yeah, I think I think the personnel is a big part of it. J.R. Sweezy was a really, really talented run blocker. Max Unger is extremely – he's just a pro. James Carpenter was a really solid run blocker. And Okung was a, a – and the big thing is continuity is so important in the zone scheme for run blocking. The fact that they've been sh shuffling guys in and out of their lineup for pretty much three years now, you can't establish – it's it's so hard to zone block consistently when you've got new guys in the lineup every week. And you look at a guy like Posick. Posick's still developing strength. He's not a, a physical deployment of attack right now. He's more of a technician. That doesn't help in run blocking. Justin Britt's playing on a bad ankle. He can't establish power right now, so he's been struggling with a lot of the, the game. And a Fetty, a Fetty, just his technique isn't good enough. It's simple as that. He's a powerful man when he's not holding people every two minutes. Um, but, yeah, we've hit on the running game enough. And I think coming out of that game, if you watch, I think the last thing most people are thinking about is 
losing or the coaching approach to the running game. So why don't we play a bit of like the blame game and kind of try to maybe do a little pie chart kind of thing of where, because that, that game frustrated everyone. You couldn't, even just from a pure viewing standpoint, if you're not a fan of either team, just watching Seattle play was frustrating. They were just, it was ugly football. Russell Wilson struggles in bad weather. The weather it was coaching. And I don't know how well you guys feel about this, but some people blame the defense for that game. As good as the defense was fantastic. Ooh, there was I, know, I definitely agree with it for sure. But as ugly and as stupid as that game was, the game's on the line. Doug Baldwin scores that touchdown. What Washington goes down the field in three plays. So if, if you're one of those guys blaming the defense, I, I get it. I, I'm not going to that field because if Blair Walsh hits one of those kicks and they don't have to be not playing from behind on these dumb two point conversions, they don't ever put in that situation. But the covers didn't come through, and you could argue with maybe the way Seattle called the game there. And so I don't know if maybe Evan, you're the most passionate about this compared to the rest of us, and I, I love it, but. How would you break down the blame from that game? How would you assign it? Yeah, so that's a really good one. I'd say probably 60% coaching, um, maybe 30% offensive line. No, no, no. I reset. 60% coaching, 20% offensive line, uh, 15% Russell, 5% wet conditions. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to stop on this point because I'm actually I'm passionate about it too, like you said, Jeff. Stop blaming the defense. I am 100% firm in this belief. Stop blaming the defense. Because you know what? You know what happened last Sunday? The defense came out balling. They played a full three and a half quarters. And you know what? The offense played a full one quarter. This is what happened. Yes, the end drive was horrible by the defense. I am not excusing that. They should have not let that happen. Yes, I agree. But you know who came to play on Sunday? The defense. The offense did not come to play. I, I, what I do not understand is how we, how, how we excuse three poor quarters of pure trash from the offense, but we absolutely crucify the Seahawks defense for one quarter of poor play. You, the offense has to seize the early opportunities. We cannot have three straight quarters of the defense balling and then, and then the offense deciding to come to play in the fourth quarter. And maybe, maybe you disagree with me, CJ, but I'm absolutely sick of this. The offense has to come to play. It cannot wait till the second half to start playing. No, like everybody's saying, the offense is too talented. There's too much talent on the offense side to be starting playing football in the second half. But going back to the defense, listen, I don't know if the numbers add up or not, but I think the defensive line had their best game by far against the Redskins. I mean, just watching tape alone – how they were uh, moving and getting to the quarterback. Kirk Cousins, how, how many times did Kirk Cousins go down? Like four, five, something like that. They're playing against backups, though. I, I don't care. <laughs> Dwight Freeney, he's, he's looking like a straight-up steal for the Seahawks heading into the second half of the season. Uh, 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 Michael Bennett, he's, he's having such an un, underappreciated season right now. I mean, he has six and a half sacks, and it's – I mean, he's balling. I mean, he's, he's making tackles when it matters, getting to the quarterback consistently, and no one's talking about him because maybe this whole, you know, protesting, whatever. But Michael Bennett should be talked about more. Um, Frank Clark, I don't have to go there. He's a stud. But I think the defensive line is meshing up real well. And think about it. Yeah, they went up against backups last week. and and But they, they did what they did without Sheldon Richardson. 
uh, the Seahawks against Deion Jordan looks like tomorrow. That's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, um, but I was so excited about, uh, for the defense last week, and it sucked that so much great plays that they made to win, to try to win this game, it really becomes mute because, I mean, obviously the Seahawks didn't come down with the victory. I mean, uh, Evan, you said it, man. The offense, the offense is just inconsistent. They need, they need to – they're too talented not to be able to score on the first drive, you know, eventually, you know, you know, going down the season. They're just too talented. So, so how, would you, how would you break down the blame for that game? Uh, I'm not a percentage guy, but like I said, I had a problem with the offensive line. Um, I mean, the, the only coaching, like, issues that I really have is, I guess, towards the end where time management, you know, they could have ran the ball at least a little bit or something like that, you know, uh, tack some ta- uh, time down. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I'm not – I'm not huge. I'm I'm not like here to blame the uh, coaching staff or anything like that. But uh, Russell Wilson had a poor game. I think it was a combination of him having a bad game and and and, and um with the offensive line as well, like having that. So I don't know. I'm still looking at the offensive line, man. I'm I'm not putting all the blame on it, but I think it's the main reason still. What about you, Will? I think special teams is one that obviously sticks out for me, uh, yeah, and not just not just the missed kicks, uh, but the penalties and special teams. There was a couple times that I remember, and I haven't like rewatched the game or gone back, uh, but you know, it just you know, you had an opportunity to get great field position. I know there was one where we had the Redskins down within their own ten. They kicked the ball, they punted back to us, and uh, there's like a you know, there's like a, a penalty that, that pops up, and then you're back fifteen more, twenty more yards, and it's just. I feel like that was kind of the theme throughout the day, and uh, CJ kind of hit on it, offensive line. I mean, there was like – every time Russell Wilson left the pocket, I felt like a flag was coming. It was one of those games, and we were you know, we're kind of used to that uh, to some degree. But How many just, penalties did they have last week? I mean, guys were tweeting like left and right about the penalties that, that were on them. It's not just the play. It's before the ball is even snapped, and that's a huge problem when you can't, you know – when you can't play offense, <laughs> I mean, consistently, if you're always trying to get – or if Russell Wilson's always trying to get the offensive lines back, even when, the, you know, when we're going back, Russell still has to go forward. It's just ridiculous. The offensive penalties – or the penalties on the offensive line, they need to get cut. Um, the blocking, obviously, we know. It, I mean, there's still so much issues with them. So that's my take. Well, I'm a little, I'm a little bit conflicted on it because I, I agree. I think that – Russell did not have a very good game and you know, how much of that do you put on the weather? How much do you put on O-line? You know, cause are you asking, you know, at some point are you asking too much out of one player? Uh, you put an entire game on his back in a sense. And uh, I don't know. I don't know where you guys, you know, attribute, you know, that, but uh, you know, some of those throws were bad. I mean, you take, there was like a couple that stood out to me, obviously the one that was uh, picked off, I think it was Will Compton, uh, one of their linebackers, but, also, the one that he kind of floated to Doug Baldwin that actually almost ended up getting almost going to get intercepted. It could have been that would have been a huge gain, and those kind of were, those were big ones. And uh, you kind of go back to a couple of games this year, and you kind of see that same thing. Um, you know, again, I don't know how much you're putting that on the fact that he's kind of do he's got to do everything now, but it's it stands out to me at least. Well, think about it. I mean, the offensive line's not playing consistently. There's no running game right now. Seattle has the number one passing offense in the NFC. And that's all because of Russell Wilson. He's doing so much. And I think that's another reason why the coaching is trying to get the uh, 
the 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 running game involving or not again but trying to because i mean if they don't get that you know figured out which i don't think i don't i don't know how well they could going into the second half but what about russell wilson starts to get hurt seahawks season's over oh. so i get why they're trying to get eddie lacy involved i get why they're trying to get the running game going because it, it, it it's all on russell wilson's back right now i mean like i said they're the number one passing offense in the nfc right now uh Russell Wilson is doing it in the fourth quarter too. He has the best passer rating in the NFL. I mean, there's so much he's doing, and it's all becoming not because nothing to gel in consistently. So, you guys are too nice. Blair Walsh is—it's got to be number one for me. Um, yeah, that was a fireable offense, zero for three, and they didn't—they don't even trust him to go for. They're going for that. They have to go for two-point conversions twice. He screwed up the whole flow of the game. Yeah. Can't, you can't miss three field goals and a half. So as much as we could blame other issues, Blair Walsh for me is the number one reason they lost that game. He just set back the entire strategy from forcing Pete to do some weird things. And number two to me is coaching. We've hit on a lot of big picture issues. But I think I can't remember if it was CJ or Will said this. There was some weird clock management going on where Pete let 25 seconds off the clock before he called a timeout. Or he doesn't call a timeout. He calls a timeout before the two-point conversion that they didn't even really need to go for it after that second touchdown. Like that last time out, they really could use. I don't know about you guys. I, I didn't like the decision not to spike the ball at the end of the game. I think that was more Pete than Russell. I know some people on Twitter totally disagreed. They've showed the formations that it worked the week before. But I thought strategically there was a lot of weird things going on. I just didn't like their game plan. I thought they got outcoached. I thought the Redskins had a really, really good game plan to rush Russell Wilson. I know we mentioned the offensive line. They were not good at all, especially the right side. Bushi and Affetti were terrible. They were those guys played horrible. They were they pretty much cost the entire first half with those penalties and whiffs. And I thought Washington rushed them in a really creative way with Zach Brown, the linebacker. They were kind of really keeping him inside the pocket, and not a lot of teams have been able to do that. And Russell was kind of bailing a little quickly, but given the way the right side was blocking. I can't really blame him. I'm with you guys. I'm not going to blame the defense. I know they, they didn't come through in a big moment, but they shouldn't have been put in that position. They played – CJ mentioned those guys played awesome. Dwight Freeney and Bobby Wagner were the best two guys in the field that game. Two things, because I'm totally new to this. Are people really blaming the defense? I, I haven't seen anything on Twitter. Yes, literally. There was – and it was not – I wouldn't say it was like a small group of people. It, a good portion of the Seahawks fan base was legitimately pissed at the Seahawks defense for losing them that game on Sunday. Bullshit. Bullshit. They kept them in the game. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I don't know how you could take – I don't know how you can walk away from that game and say the defense lost a second. I don't yeah, know how no you – No way. Here's, here's, here's my take on it. I think Kirk Cousins balled the hell out. Because here's the no. thing. If you watch yeah. Steve on Shaquille Griffin, he's gotten beat multiple times. But it's to the point where the throw, the ball placement from other quarterbacks – Shaquille Griffin still has a chance to make a play on it. Kirk Cousins literally put the ball where it needed to be twice and and beat Shaquille Griffin. Um, everybody looks back at that that one play where Shaquille got beat. Uh, I don't know who caught the ball, um, but he, he got he's beat. Josh Dobson, a first-round pick. He's, he's a good player. Okay, cool. And, and then, I mean, but here's the thing. Shaquille Griffin, he, he's gotten beat plenty of times. It's just that ball was money. And then uh, the the one before that 
where he got where Kirk Cousins was getting nailed by Michael Bennett. That throw was I can't get over that throw. I think you got to give the, uh, all the credit to Kirk Cousins and the Redskins uh, 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 offense coaching, whatever. That last that last uh, series for them, it was great. But another thing, the two point convert, uh, the two pointer going for the two point people, dude, no nobody liked that at all because I had no problem with that either. Yeah, no, I, I was okay with it. First of all, let me revise my blame game. I completely, like, completely spaced about Blair Walsh, Blair Walsh missing three field goals. So obviously field goals. in the blame. Um, like I'd say like maybe like 20, 25%, like a big portion, obviously. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I have no problem with them going for the two-point conversion just because Blair Walsh was obviously having a horrible day and I would not have trusted him to kick a one-yard field goal that day, so I have no problem with the two-point going for the two-point conversion. But I guess my only real main issue in, in, with Blair Walsh moving forward is, to me, it's not a. I, I know Jeff and CJ are on kind of different sides of this. To me, it's not about cutting him; it's about can he recover mentally from this? And I don't know the answer. I really don't. I'm I'm concerned about it, but if he can't recover mentally from this sticky situation moving forward well it's yeah i mean it's not like this is the first time this has happened yeah exactly I mean, after, after that after that play after that divisional game in minnesota he didn't recover he went to the following year and he was what was he gone halfway through the season in minnesota and now this and so it's kind of like a it's almost like a pattern so it's I don't know. It doesn't look good. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> I like Blair Walsh, and it's not because of his fashion design or and his hair. <laughs> it's, it's so weird when he get, when he's about to get uh, up there for a kick. It's it, I'm I might be the only one out of the whole Seahawks fan base, maybe in the in a you know league wide. I'm confident that he's gonna make a kick even after two misses. When Stephen Hoska last year got up for a kick, I felt zero confidence because of how he was kicking the ball so low. Nothing felt right, but now since we have Blair Washington, it's so weird. I still have so much confidence in him. Listen, I know he had a bad game. Obviously, it, it made the big all the difference in the world. But I think Blair Wash. I mean, like you said, but I can't predict that either mentally. I don't know if he's going to recover from everything, but I don't see how you can't go forward with him. Just hoping that mentally he can get back on the page and just you know start nailing kicks again because he was money before this game. He was money and. uh but that's my take on it. I like the guy. I think that the one-year deal and, you know, up to last week's game, it was paying a huge dividend. I mean, it was it was a steal in my opinion. So hopefully, hopefully he can uh, get back on track and see what, see what happens going forward. I just hope it doesn't come down to a special team thing, almost like it did last year, because you look at those two games against Arizona, those were definitely special team <laughs> blunders at the end. Like, yeah, at the end, of the, at the end of both games, and those games ended up being pretty costly. So I don't know. I, I don't want to go off like on a side tangent. I just hope that they don't. I just hope it doesn't come down to that like it did last year. I mean, it was you know. So I have a question for you guys: forty-yard field goal tomorrow wins the game with five seconds left. Oh, God. Do you trust? Do you trust Blair Walsh to nail it? I mean, I was ready. I was ready last week. I tweeted. I was like, "Come on, he's gonna come down. He's gonna kick. I'm ready. Give it to him." That would have been awesome to see. At least I would. I would like to see him get the chance. At least totally yeah, for sure. And then, and then all of Twitter, the whole Seahawks Twitter world will go right back to loving him and forget all about the Redskins game. So I'm saying, I'm down. I'm ready for that moment. Let's go. We, we call that redemption in this neck of the woods. <laughs> <laughs>
I think special teams is a good point, though. We, we mentioned Walsh a bunch of times. But the thing that drove me the craziest, and I know other people have got to be going crazy about this, those damn blocking the back penalties every single return. How many of those do they have? It's not just that. It's it's holding or it's blocking the back. It's something. Every time Tyler – I mean, this year Tyler is not, like, you know, getting off to, like, how he was his rookie year or in like that where, okay, he just ran for a 40-yard punt return. Oh, but it's coming back. Um, now he's running for like, what, 10, 15, not even, but they're still getting called back. But those yards make a difference. Those 40 yards he, you know, he gets, it's the less yardage they have to, you know, go back. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they're still happening. I don't understand what's going on on that side of the ball. There's no blocking. That's, I mean, I'm not putting the whole blame on the blocking because I think Tyler isn't himself anymore either. Um, but I think – if you know he gets that confidence where blocking can come back, you know who knows we might see a different Tyler. But it's it's a combination of both. But yeah, those those penalties are driving me nuts too. So <clears throat> it's just it's frustrating. Pete talks about it every week. They're trying to fix it. They're working on it. They're working on it. I don't know if that's a technique issue or if that's a discipline issue, but they can't keep doing this. I know. I know what Mike Lombardi is one of my favorite football guys. They call it hidden yards. It's because they're yards that never show up on the stat sheet that. Teams lose, and the way to beat great teams is to not. I know that was a that was a big part of how Seattle played, how Jim Harbaugh played, how John Harbaugh played. They love special teams. They consider it equal to the offense and defense. And if they keep throwing away yards, starting from the fifty or the versus the thirty-five, that that's fifteen yards right there. It doesn't show up on the score sheet. That they did that so many damn times, and they hurt themselves on so many drives just doing that. And they, they got to get better at this. That's on the coaches. That's on the players. That's on everyone, and there's just no excuse for that, doing that as many times as they did. So I, I think we've pretty much covered – I don't know if you guys want to keep in on the Redskins game. We've, they, they, they often lose when you do almost double a team in yards. Yeah. Ugh, I don't know. I'm, this game just drove me berserk. Here's the so thing. One last thing I'll say about the Redskins game. I know Evan said it. I don't know if it, uh, both of you guys said it. I don't think this hurts the Seahawks Super Bowl chances at all. I think – it was a game they needed to win, but didn't. That brings them three losses to the season. We still got uh, one up on on uh, the Rams. I know they're first place now, but you know we still have one more game against them. I'm not worried about losing the division. I think the Rams are a threat for sure. I think the Seahawks can easily get back on track uh, and groove to hopefully the first seed. But I don't think this diminishes them not being a contender for the Super Bowl. It sucked. This sucks definitely sucked, and it shouldn't have happened. It was just poor, poor execution on the offensive side. Defense did their job. Maybe coaching staff didn't do their job a little bit. I mean, there's so much to blame special teams, um, but I don't think this hurts their Super Bowl chances because you guys know, and I think a lot of people as well know the talent that is on the team on this team, both sides, defense and offense. I mean, I don't think there's a roster out there that has so much star power names and, and i mean and i don't think no one's skipping a beat right now i mean the seahawks just lo lost cliff averill and they're still playing like crazy good defense so i don't think this hurts their chances of the super bowl at all it just puts a awful ugly nasty l right beside their name which shouldn't have happened so yeah it just felt like a gut punch there they just seemed like they were on pace for that Seattle-Philadelphia game. Those guys were going to be one or two lost teams. Everything was kind of setting up for that. Oh, yeah. I think uh, 
I don't know. So I, what I want, I'm glad you brought that up, CJ, because that was kind of the way I was thinking to go with this thing. Is what's what's your confidence like going into tomorrow? Uh, last week, coming off that Dwayne Brown trade and coming off that Houston win, I thought, oh, this is a Super Bowl team. This is a team that can was going to whoop the Reds. They could beat anyone. I was rolling when the Eagles and the Rams were and the Saints were rolling at the first set of games. Everyone's like, oh, the Rams are here. I'm like, see, I'll beat the Rams already. But my, yeah. my argument didn't go very far when we shit the bed against the Redskins. So. I mean, Evan, last week, Evan said last week, he said that I, he didn't think that the Redskins was going to be easy win. I had, I disagreed so much with that tweet. <laughs> he was right. Um, but like, I felt that this game that they had, their depth was showing up to play their backups. It wasn't their starters. And it wasn't just that even if their stars were on the field, I had all the confidence in the world that the Seahawks were going to go in there and just demolish them just like they did the Giants game. That was the feeling I had. Now, losing the Redskins, here's the thing. I have the confidence of going to Arizona and winning where, in fact, Russell Wilson is, for some reason, Arizona is he just it's his favorite venue. So good. And, no rain. Uh, yeah, it's just, besides, yeah, that Super Bowl, which sucked. But <laughs> Last year, too. That was not a good game down there last year by any means. No, it wasn't. But, I mean – I have confidence in winning the game. I don't. I just don't have the confidence as I should. The way I thought it was going to work out going into this game, it's weird. I'm going in with the same mindset. If we're going to lose tomorrow night, it's going to be because we beat ourselves. I don't think Arizona is going to beat you. I don't think Drew Stan is going to beat you. Oh God, please no. <laughs> oh my God. I think it's. I think it's the Seahawks beating the Seahawks just the same as it was against Washington. And I don't. That- I don't need another Drew Stanton like. Come on, like, whatever. No, no, no. I don't need it in that anymore. No. That's because he wasn't playing, right? No, I know. That, that's what made it work. <laughs> I don't need it. like that when you're a backup. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I have no idea what to expect right now. Like, I, I thought my emotions – that's what made it so hard last week because I was like UCJ. I thought they were just going to roll them. And maybe we should have listened to Will more. I was too focused on, like, the Earl Thomas, Bradley McDougal. I thought they'd be okay. And McDougal was fine. All indications were he looked pretty good. Yeah, and, but, they, uh, they were solid until that fourth quarter. They were that the secondary had no issue. I had no issues with anything. I don't think Kirk Cousins even tried them deep. Uh, I can't I don't remember. Know, they, Did they? You're right. Cousins made cousin that throw that Cousins made to the, the the run that really got the drive going on the sideline to Brian Quick. <laughs> White, Freeney, and Bennett were about to smoke him. Oh, he got smoked. He just he still nailed it in there. That's yeah, that was, that was a hell of a throw, but. Look at the, the Cardinals. Like it's a different team. You're right. They don't have Palmer right now. They're running the hell out of Adrian Peterson. Yep. See how since those first games, they're pretty good at stopping the run. Oh yeah. They're not the downfield passing team anymore. They don't have Calais Campbell. They don't have Marcus Golden this year. I just don't know. Like I think Seattle should roll these guys, but my conference is totally shot. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna make. I have a no idea. I'm gonna make a prediction. Seahawks win by 17 plus tomorrow. And, I, and let me tell you why. I like it. I like that. Let, right, me, tell, right. let me tell you why. And it's not a reason you might expect. Positive Evan. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be careful about how I frame this, though, because this can be misconstrued in a really negative light if I speak it poorly. So let, let, me, uh, let me back up a little bit. The Eddie Lacy injury is obviously not great. You, you, don't, you don't like seeing players get injured. 
obviously you're not rooting for injuries either on the opposing team or your own team. Of course, you're never rooting for injuries. Injuries are a bad thing. So I want to clarify by saying I'm not rooting for injuries here. But let me just say this. The absence of Eddie Lacy might take Pete's and this coaching staff's hyper-obsessive focus over getting Eddie Lacy involved in the run game early on out of the picture. And it might actually be a good thing. I'm not, not saying his injury is a good thing. I'm just saying this obsession over getting Eddie Lacy involved early, having that removed from the picture might be a good thing. We might, we might see some different things from the offense. So um, obviously you really, you hope Eddie Lacy can get back and this growing injury isn't a big issue or at all, you know, and he's just back next week, but um, hopefully they come out firing tomorrow. I, I, I think, uh, I think they're going to give Russ his shot. And, and, and in dry weather, in, in this mid-70s uh, weather, I, I think Russ has a real shot to light him up tomorrow. So, Here's a crazy concept. I don't know if it's possible with this team, but can the offense and defense play well the same game? No, it's not possible. No. Is it, it's not possible. Why, why is that so hard? Is that Super Bowl 48 like the only game that's happened in this Russell Wilson era? I think I was mentioning this to a buddy the other day. I was watching who I was watching the game on Sunday with. I've never, I, I cannot remember the last Seahawks win where by like the second quarter, I was like, oh, we're going to win this game. Like by the second quarter where we had like a sizable lead and I was like, and, and you know, we were up by like 20 plus or something. Besides Super Bowl 48, I can't remember the last time. Maybe the, I knew we blew out like the Bills and the Cardinals a few years back, like back to back. But, like, besides yeah. that, I cannot remember the last time we blew out a team, like, by the second quarter and we were up, like, the rest of the game. Yeah, it was that three-game stretch in 2012. It was the Bills, Cardinals, and 49ers, yes. uh, the three-game series, and then Super Bowl. But you guys are right. I, <laughs> I can't think of another one. <laughs> maybe, maybe the 49ers from two years ago because I think we blew them out there on a Thursday night game. But that again, the turkey? Yeah, oh. yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, but that but that was close though, wasn't it? Because it was like nineteen to three or something. Yeah, yeah. Kaepernick just shit the bed in that game. He was yeah. Sherman owned him. Yeah, Sherman was right to him twice. Just right to yeah. him. Oh, you know what? Sorry. Side note: Do you remember uh, Jed York's tweet after that game? Oh yeah, you remember? I completely, I profusely apologize to the fans of San Francisco. This is a disgrace. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember now. Sorry, that brought me so much joy. <laughs> oh man, I don't know about you guys, but I hate I hate the Cardinals. I I want to beat the crap out of them. Really? It's always the uh, I, I Bruce Arians drives me crazy. No. Uh, yeah. yeah, Bruce Arians is a jerk. I don't he like. Just drives me nuts. It's just yeah. he's so smug and he's got excuses for every. I remember a couple years ago when Seattle went in there. It was Week 17, I think, and they were resting up for the playoffs, and Seattle beat the shit out of them. Yeah, it was like. 34 nothing at halftime, something like that. Well, I don't after think the, game, the Arians, last game of the season in 2015. Yeah. 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 And Arians comes out after. It's like, oh, we planned to bench the starters the whole time. Like, that was a strategy. And then that HBO show or that Amazon show comes up, and he's freaking out the whole game. Once they mic him up, uh, he, he is full of shit. That guy drives me nuts. <laughs> so, well, I, I don't know. Something about him bothers me. I know the Mike's also crazy about him, too. I don't think he's beaten the Seahawks since being the coach, right, in Arizona? I think he's like 0-3-1. Oh, in Arizona? In Arizona. In Arizona, yeah. I think that's right. I, I know they beat us here on that one night. It's a Drew Stanton. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's beating the Seahawks. He's like the only coach in the Russell Wilson era that's really 
had Russell Wilson's number at home. Well, clearly, since they play each other every year, once a year in, in Seattle. But yeah, never, never in Arizona. They can't. They can't. He, I don't know. He can't just win there. Hmm. How about this? What, what do you guys want to see tomorrow night? We've talked about big picture issues. We talked about that damn Redskins game. Well, I saw. What you, what's the number one thing you want to see tomorrow? I saw that Rawls was going to start tomorrow, um, and I want to see him get going. I thought you saw a little bit of light there um, at times in that Redskins game, even where he, you know, got a little bit of light and he got through the line there. And I want to see that continue uh, more than anything else tomorrow, for sure. I want to see a lack of penalties in in you know all all sides of the ball. I, I want to see a lack of penalties, um, you know, from the offensive line, special teams. I'm sick of blocks in the back. I want, I want a lack of penalties. Um, I think for me, uh, honestly, I want to see Cam Chancer come back to form. It seems like he's uh, – I don't know what's up with him. But he has a good track record against Arizona. Um, you know, with Earl Thomas out, with Sha- uh, Shaquille Griffin on the other side, being a rookie, I mean, I would like to see him step up and be a leader on this team in any aspect, just making plays or if it's verbiage, whatever. And then, and then this might be cliche, but a pocket for Russell Wilson, and and that's every week for me. And um, I don't see the Seahawks losing this game. I know that they're. I know that the Cardinals will pound the rock with Andrew Peterson, as Jeff said. They've been using him forcefully, especially with the backup quarterback playing now. Um, here's the thing: the Cardinals are not out of any playoff picture whatsoever. They win this game. Don't don't the Seahawks sort of third? In the we division. have the same record as them then, five and four. Right, but then they'll have the head matchup with us with the loss, yes. and they'll move up a second. Yeah. This 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 isn't a game like okay, we're in the last. This is the last game of the season. Cardinals are out of it. No, this this is going to be a division rival game, hard fought, whatever. So I don't. That's why I don't feel really that confident as last week. But yeah, I want Cam Chance to step up. I want to see more pockets for Russell Wilson, obviously, and then. Um, and this might be another no-brainer, but um, you know, utilize your playmakers. Give Lockett the ball more if it's sweeps or screens or you know flies. I mean, give him the ball more. Use Jimmy more. Obviously, you know, I've had a problem with Jimmy all season. A lot of my followers know that, but you know, I like to see them utilize him more. Uh, and then, like you said, well, uh, Thomas Rawls. Here's the thing. I played uh, basketball in high school. I was on uh, JV one year, and then I started uh, varsity, or uh, I played on varsity for the rest of my years. I didn't start at all until like my senior year on varsity. That moment when I got that nod to start, it made a huge difference for me. I, I was more confident in everything. I think with the me- mental uh, mindset or uh, point of view that a start could make a huge difference. And anybody, so hopefully a start with Rawls getting the nod. Maybe he can do something, and uh, offensive line can jump more too. So, yeah, I think we all want to see the offensive line play better, especially the right side. The right side was terrible. Yeah, um, Fetty's got to get better playing with his arms and the holding. And when Russell bails from the pocket, he's got to just kind of let him, kind of let him free. And I know Arizona's been good at addressing Seattle, but. Just happy Calais Campbell's not going to be around. He just whooped them last year. couple more weeks. <laughs> I know, I know. But for me, the big thing I want to see, and we've talked about it, I want to see the defensive line show up. It was great seeing what we did last week, but 
I'm still, I still, I, I was kind of waiting for that performance all year with all the talent they have. Sheldon Richardson's going to be back tomorrow. Farina knows these Cardinals players well, and the tackles in Arizona aren't great. They've been, they've been really rough all year. And if they can do it again, they can really build confidence that they just weren't playing against a guys, a bunch of guys who won't even start for Seattle. They're that bad. Um, so I want to see that. Chancellor's a good one. And I don't think none of us have talked about, which is a big part of the game. No one talked about those dropped interceptions. Those were terrible. Yeah. Like if Chancellor picks off that ball, I think it was the first series of the game, that might be a pick six, number one. And they had a couple times where they just could have flipped field position. And I don't want to blame the defense again. They were, they were fantastic. But just missed opportunities all day. And guys who are – like you're not going to get an easier interception than that ball. It's tipped up in the air from Kirk Cousins. You're, you can sit on them for two seconds. And then Sherman drops a ball. He played perfectly. So I want to see them just come through with turnovers. I want to see the special teams not do idiotic penalties all game and maybe learn to block someone technically correct. And, yeah, I just want to see them what, what CJ said. I want to see them utilize their playmakers and come up with a game plan that makes sense given their personnel because if you can't run the ball, maybe just throw – like, I don't understand last game. This was driving me crazy. When a pass rush is dominating you, the number one thing you can do, and Philly was doing this really well against Von Miller. I watched the, the whole game before that. Why don't they run one screen? Why don't they do one play where maybe they do a that play Brett Farby to do where he flipped the ball up the middle, to like someone like McKissick or maybe even that Lockett or Richardson? That's how you negate a pass rush. You throw the ball quickly, and you when all the rushers are coming, you have a big hole there. They didn't do one screen pass all game. I know no. Seattle has been historically terrible at the screen. Not Russell's best pass, but they got they had a couple nice looks in the Colts game, and a couple nice looks in the Texans game. I just want to see a smarter game plan from Bevel to Cable to Carroll all over. They have too much talent to just be this inept at all different phases of the game. So I know Thursday night games are tough, especially for road teams, but Seattle's as good as anyone at doing quick turnarounds. And given the way they played last week, the fact that it is a quick turnaround, I think that might help in their favor. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I mean, they, the, the defense, uh, I think the defense is going to show up tomorrow. One kind of just positive highlight that I wanted to mention, uh, Jeff, was Jaron Reed and Naz Jones are balls. Bro, oh so. My God. Out of nowhere, Jaron Reed, dude, he's killing it. it did, wasn't he, like, drafted to be a run stuffer, but now he, like, can pass rush really well? So that's, that's kind of, like, mind-blowing to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't get me yeah. started on that. But Nas Jones balled out too. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they both played really well. And the one thing that kind of stuck in my head a little bit was if you have these two young rookie defensive line players, does this potentially impact whether or not you choose to extend Sheldon? <laughs> not exactly going to answer yes or no, but I think it has to factor into the discussion. Also, Malik's health is, is, an, is a topic of discussion there too. But I, overall, I just want to say, super impressed with Nas Jones and Jared Reed. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's a great shout-out. Jared Reed's been a guy I've been talking about almost every episode of the show. And me and Brian had disagreements on him earlier in the season. I thought he looked his, – his play was not showing up in the stats. I know people were upset with the amount of pressures he had last year. But when, when I kept watching the film and watching the games, he was knocking over players on double teams, and he was blowing up run plays all year. And now that you're seeing the pass rush, this is a great, this is a really good looking young player. And they they haven't really the thing that Pete got knocked on earlier was 
hadn't really developed any defensive linemen. And now with Frank Clark and Jones, Naz Jones was awesome on Sunday. CJ, you must have loved that. That was he was not easy to come in and step in and start on a team and he recovered that fumble. He had a sack. He was he was great. So that was he, that was he, a really he was he was Sheldon Richardson whatsoever. He played great. Yeah, that was that was a really that's a really refreshing it, player. The thing to keep in mind though, like the reason why these guys probably ain't getting so much recognition is because all the stardom or all the star power is still on this team. You got Bobby Wagner still. You got Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor. I mean, the 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 star power like is just ridiculous in Seattle. And of course, Jim Reed is being overlooked because of all these guys. I mean, you got Frank Clark on the other side too. You know what? He's so good. He's still like not yet like getting enough recognition. Maybe from Pro Football Focus. I mean, take that from what you will. But like, I'm talking about nationally. Brent Clark's still not even getting recognition. He's bowling. So I think that has to do a lot to do with it. But, hey, for me, I don't care if they're not getting recognition. Let them still be under the radar. I'm sure the coaches know about them on the other side. But, yeah. Well, it's good that they're developing because that uh, will probably be a position of need at some point in the near future considering Michael Bennett's age, uh, Cliff Averill being out. That's, that's something we're going to need. So it's, uh, it's definitely nice. It's funny that people are still talking about Michael Bennett's age when he's literally having one of his best seasons as a Seahawks, maybe his career. It's crazy how much he's balling right now. He's yeah. like, it's been really quiet too because I haven't really, I mean, no one's really been like talking about him, but he's got, the numbers are there. Oh, yeah. And he sure. show up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I think that's it. We're getting near the end tonight. I, I think we... We nailed everything about that Redskins game. It's something I hope to never have to revisit the rest of the year. I hope we don't have a game like that for a long, long time. Hopefully that is kind of a wake-up call that this team needs. But, man, this is this is a big game. Uh, CJ, CJ and Will hit on this. Five and four, five and four. You don't want, If you end up five and four, you're, you're not getting – who knows? That they're, Right now, Seattle's not in the playoffs. The season ended today. I know that's a stupid stat because the season doesn't end today or even close to it. Well, this is a big game, so yeah. Get yeah. a ball out, Russell. Russell, I want to see him bounce back. I, I know a lot of the problems were offensive line and running game related, but he was not good enough. Even Pete, who like will never say a bad word about Russell, admitted right after the game he was off. So I'm going to be watching him closely. I, I think he could tear up Arizona. Just throw to the other side of Patrick Peterson. The, the other corners stink. Um, Seattle should, should should have a ton of success on defense against a bad offensive line. Uh, receiving core that isn't quite the same Larry Fitzgerald's near the end so we're gonna we're all gonna be watching this game closely and I know Brian usually hits on a bunch of sponsorships towards the end of our show we got good stuff going on all over the website articles all over keep subscribing to the show we've been we've been going all year and as we were just talking about a lot of the players don't get these national recognition that's why we have a show like this so we can kind of dive into the the dirty stuff and kind of get you going on what's really going on in this team. We all watch the game in a different perspective and different views and cool to have all new people every week. And we're usually going to keep rolling with our guests. So keep subscribing, keep listening on YouTube and on the hot blogger. And we should hopefully we have a lot more positive stuff to talk about next week, but I don't know, man, we'll have to see what we do on this short week. So I think that's it for tonight. I don't know if you guys want to chime in once more, but, Evan's down in Arizona. Brian's down in Arizona. So there should be a ton of Seahawks fans down there. It's going to be fun tomorrow night. And hopefully 
we're all happy on Friday and our week isn't ruined like it was last Sunday, at least for me. Yeah, I, uh, I expect a rebounding from this offense and this, this team as a whole. So hopefully they come out, you know, hopefully they, the offense comes out quick, the defense comes out balling as usual, and uh, they end this game before it even starts. So. Yeah, so hopefully some of you fans out there that are listening, hopefully we help vent a little bit. If you have any comments, send us messages on Twitter. I know we all love talking Seahawks, so we're always happy to keep chatting. So hopefully that helped calm you down. I'm a lot calmer than I was 48 hours ago. I'm glad <laughs> I wasn't on here 48 hours ago. It would have been ugly. So enjoy the game tomorrow. We'll be back next week. We're still looking into guests that we're potentially locking down. But all right, everyone, thanks for joining, and hope you enjoy the show.